Welcome to another episode of Language for Liberation. This is your boy, Bakari Ibrahim, a.k.a. OG Baka, joined by my illustrious philosophical host, Mr. Barry Holmes Pittner. How are you doing today, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. How, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. It's been an um, interesting week, you know, as all of the weeks in 2020 have their ups and downs. But, you know, we're recording on a Friday, and I'll tell you this, I can't wait for the weekend, bro. Yeah. 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 This week was a, was a, was a tough one. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, in, in fact, I've been meaning to ask you, um, you know, as we like warm up into the topic today, mm-hmm. have you been watching Lovecraft Country? I haven't. It's on HBO, isn't mm, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I, I lost my HBO. I think I'm going to get it back. But is it's it's pretty good. I'm very surprised. I, I understand that you don't have like your uh, uh, login, but I'm very surprised that you haven't watched Lovecraft Country because... I think in terms of like um, conversations around ethnocide and, you know, um, even today's word, uh, you know, and talking about death and just uh, things that we remember and traumas and everything, definitely you should check out um, the horror of Lovecraft Country. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, I'll probably just decide to resubscribe to HBO because I didn't watch season three of Westworld. There's this new show called Raised by Wolves that yeah. looks like it's gonna be dope. And it's like, all right, I'll do it. I'll I'll bring it back at some point. It's cooling down. You got you get you can. It's getting cold outside. You can you know, it's <laughs> catch like, up. With, with Corona hit, I think the idea was I'm gonna get all the TV because I'm gonna be at my house all the time. And I was like, no, yeah, like be responsible. Don't just sign up for all the stuff. But I miss HBO. I miss HBO. I will say that um, HBO is my is kind of like a constant of all of them. Like I kind of go in and out of Netflix and Hulu. I've had Hulu for a, a while now, Hulu Live, but like I definitely have to have the HBO like quality series to get me through. Yeah, no, I and we got like a like a new TV that's bigger, so I just got to get it. I just, I'll just yeah. get it. I'll get it. <laughs> so, but next time we chat, hopefully I would have watched some uh, some Lovecraft Country. Uh, Dope, man. I highly recommend it uh, to you in the audience. But um, yeah, let's get into our word today. So today's word is a word that we've actually been talking about for a while, but like other words have kind of come up to be more timely. But now it seems like this time it's perfect timing for this word, especially when it comes to things that the things going on in the world and uh, things that we have going on. So today's word is memento mori, which translates to remember death or the inevitability of death. So as always, Barry, you know, tell us how you got here. How did, why is this today's word? And, you know, what's the origin of the, of the phrase? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, part of the reason why this word is today's or this week's word is due to the, the altars project that we're working on, that we're, that we're doing, that uh, is inspired by ancestor remembrance celebrations around the world. And in particular, Day of the Dead. And this is, you know, this is a practice that people have been doing for thousands of years to remember the dead. And so a lot of our words over the next, you know, through October will, will be inspired by that, that theme. Um, so Memento Mori is partially inspired by that. But it, it's a word that I've, you know, a phrase, it's two words, Memento and Mori, that I've I don't know. I've I've just been I've thought about it for a long time, and it's it's a really important philosophical concept because the act of remembering death makes you more aware of life. 
you know like mm-hmm. i think a lot of people kind of view that as a contradictory thing that if you remember death or think about death that'll make you like dark and sad and and not mm-hmm. you know not exuberant about life but that's just actually not how it works at all like if you if you act like you will live forever then nothing is nothing really matters because you could always do it again you know but if you know that you won't live forever then you really need to make sure that your actions matter because you may not be able to do that thing again and so you know for in Europe and Europe like the phrase is Latin so memento mori is like a it's a European concept but the concept of remembering death is like universal around the world and yeah. it's something that we need to be aware of to help us be like good and wise people you know so it really brings me back to um last week's word which was memory culture um you know, in terms of, you know, a culture of remembrance, uh, you know, uh, the German idea of, you know, we we can't pay this off. We can't, you know, make up for the past, but we can at least remember the past as a way of shaping our future and the way that we conduct ourselves in the culture. So how do these two, um, you know, words and phrases align to you? Like, how does that land on you? Good question. And And the word last week was German. It's Erinnerungskultur, which is yeah, I'll let you do it. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It, it it, but it means memory culture. No, they the the words are a continuation of the same theme. Where I, I I think I think the idea that a lot of people want to have, especially in the U.S. and in Western places, of wanting to live forever or to be forever young to live in a way where like death is not a thing that you think about or should be aware of. And you just kind of get to live forever. And if, and when you die, you get to live forever someplace else. It means it it results in people not feeling the need to care about history because if you, if you're not going to die, then your actions don't really matter because you can always do them again. Yeah, And that means like the actions in the past don't really matter that much either. And you can just change them or, or, or tailor them to suit your like emotional needs right now. And you kind of aren't really living in a world that's based on reality. You're living more in a, in a, in a, in a propagated environment that's just right. not real to suit your own needs. And so like if you remember death and and if you remember that you will die it's kind of funny that the word is remember and that is like speaking to the past but your death is clearly something that would happen in the future but if you're remembering somebody else's death or the death of something else that's clearly something that already happened and so right. having a culture that remembers the passing of people and the passing of time and the passing of people includes uh, people that have uh, passed away due to horrible things that have been inflicted upon them, like that's just essential for being for being alive and being a being a person. You have to, you know, like like Germany is a really interesting place in that for a large part of like European history, like that was the epicenter of culture. 
Like yeah. Germany and France were just like the, the key places for culture in Europe. And, you know, like English is part Germanic, part French linguistically. You know, like American kids, American parents send their kids to kindergarten. That's German. We like, there's so many Germanic influences in Europe that we don't even really acknowledge. Like we're all Protestant over here. I mean, not all of us, but like a lot of Americans are Protestants. Like that's all Germanic stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And despite Germany having all these remarkable ideas and shaping how people in Europe live to a large degree, they decided to go nuts for about a decade. And that like insanity over a decade has completely altered their cultural landscape and how people see them and their obligation and the things they have to remember. Like, I think it's quite significant to know that even if you're great for a really, really long time, if you go nuts for a decade and kill an astro, you know, a previously unimaginable amount of people, like that's still something that's possible. And you need to remember that that's possible so that you make all the precautions to not do it again. And it's like, it's like guardrails for it in, in ways. It's like everything's easier to break than it is to make. Mm-hmm. I, if I could, I have like a plate on my desk. I could drop it and break that seconds. The right. amount of time it takes to make that plate, way longer. Yeah, it takes it, it takes it much longer. Yeah. You know, bringing things kind of to today, you know, in this era of like community grief and trauma, how should people approach uh, the inevitability of death? Because I think that people are dealing with the inevitability of death in two ways. Um, there's the, you know, the acceptance of if I die, I die, or I've lived on this earth and done what I need to do. But then there's also like this air of anxiety and grief um, that comes with, you know, acknowledging death is inevitable. You know, so I guess I'm asking you about like, what about the two sides of the coin of interpretation? We've kind of looked at it from a side of, you know, if you remember death, then you live your best life. But what about remembering death and the the fear that it, it stokes in people, I guess? Yeah. So like this actually touches upon words that we've talked about, I think, over this last month. You know, there's there's angest, which is angst mm-hmm. or anxiety. Yeah. Um, and there's a nervenstarka, which is nerve strength. Nerve strength, right. And so, like, I think the U.S. in particular, we, you know, America cultivated a society where there was a narrative that you wouldn't have any anxiety, that you kind of get to have, like, a heaven-on-earth type of thing, and you, you live forever, uh, you get to be young forever, you know, you, you know, when you die here, you live forever in another place. So you're always alive. Right. You're just always alive. You don't really have to think about death. You're just always alive. Mm-hmm. And that's just absurd. That's just a, just a, such like a, a juvenile way of looking at existence. Um, and so what, what's weird is that the, one of the most fundamental things about being alive is that you won't be alive at some point. And we have a hard time dealing with that reality and it's like that's that's the foundation for everything right you know um and i think we have that problem because we've been conditioned to like distance ourselves from existence as a as a society and so 
you know, there are people that are like, if I die, I die. That's a narrative of saying my actions are meaningless. And if I, if I die, it happens. And that means I'll just like do whatever I want. And it just doesn't matter. Like that's absurd. Let's just try and that's just championing having a meaningless life. And I think a lot of people in America feel empowered to, to, to celebrate that kind of dystopian way to go about things. At the same time, once you have to confront existence and you're not equipped as a society to do so, you're going to have a lot of anxiety. And anxiety right. is a thing that comes with freedom. So that anxiety makes sense that you should have it. It's just if you don't have a, a, a culture that has the wisdom to help you deal with the inevitable anxiety that comes with freedom and existence, then we're doing a disservice to people. And, you know, there the things that can help people cope with that stuff or just like language at the baseline can be quite helpful. Just having words yeah. like memento mori or, or, or memory culture, that's helpful. And then once you go from there, you can, you can create practices or altars or all that sort of stuff. You can have conversations with friends and loved ones about this pretty fundamental part of being alive. And now you're like better equipped, but we kind of encourage people to live in kind of just like a void where there's like a, a nothingness to help you with existence. And you're encouraged to live like a life of doing and being nothing apart from like accumulating money. (laughs) <laughs> you know no for sure i'm thinking of this a little bit in the abstract um you know right now we've talked about it in terms of like the life that you live but i'm thinking about it a little bit in terms of like the inevitability of the death of culture or the inevitability of change the inevitability that things will move forward and maybe the the angst that comes with that and the inevitability that comes with that so i guess in the abstract side of things, thinking of, um, you know, the death of a culture or the inevitability that things will change, how do we then save culture? Or like, is, is it culture, how does that affect the people? Because we've talked about uh, ethnocide, about like the death of, about culture being eradicated. And so like, how does that conflict? How does that land on you? Yeah, so the way that you save it is to acknowledge that like, that death is inevitable, but like with death also comes like life, you know, it's kind of you know, like reinvention. Like if you, for example, like you have parents and if you have kids, then one day your parents will be dead, but your kids will be alive. And your parents probably would have told those grandkids stuff that helped them live and passed right. on some information. So now like, and this goes to the memory culture conversation. Like now those parents are alive and those kids, even though those parents died, Uh, you know? And so like, that's why so much of, you know, like oral storytelling and passing mm -hmm. on wisdom from generation to generation is, is key because you have to keep things going, even though you know that people are going to die as it keeps on going. Like, you know, I think when we talk about death and especially like Western death and it, it's probably because of like colonization and, and just like these weird notions of like static 
identity and, mm-hmm. and, and like other things that when we think of death, we think of there being no capacity for life to reemerge at any point. And that's really, that's, you know, that's not how things work most of the time. Um, like the life that reemerges could be vastly different than the one that went away, but like something's going to come back. Like that's just, that's just it's inevitable. A, it's a seed of that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so like, and also when it comes to culture, like I, a good analogy, well, maybe a decent analogy. I don't know if it's good or not, but like, if you look at yourself, like who Bakari was when he was 13 is different than who Bakari is now. Right. There's parts of Bakari who's 13 that are, that are still alive. There's parts of Bakari that was 13 that are dead. And like they never coming back. And if Bakari who was who is the age he is now acted exactly like Bakari when he was 13, that would be a problem. Yeah, problem. <laughs> that would be real bad. So like it's important like that that parts of who we are as people die when we're alive like like one thing that's kind of funny to think about like most if you if your parents have like been together like you you know they haven't been gotten divorced or whatever or they've always been like together mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine what your parents are like as single people like yeah. i'm a like i'm a person and i've been around these two people my whole In the life context of each other <laughs> yeah and I don't even know how they existed prior to being a couple. That version of my parents when they were 25 has never right. even been alive to me. Yeah. Like, that's wild. That's indeed. You know? And, that, but, and that's just how, how things are. Like, there are people that, that know me who have never known me as a single person period Mm -hmm. they don't know what barrett's like without having a partner right like i've lived a lot of lot my life as a single person like i know who that person is but i don't have like a desire to have a person come back to life right (laughs) (laughs) because i have because where you are now and this whole conversation or your response to my question makes me think about it makes you more aware of the importance of preservation and essentially choosing what you want to preserve in culture or preserve in lifestyle and what you don't want to preserve in lifestyle and what you need to cast out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thinking about, you know, the, from a personal level of the personal individual growth that you would want to go to, to like the government of the United States, there's so many different ways that you can think about the preservation of culture, what that culture is and how those things like come and clash with each other kind of like at all times. Yeah, it's it's like uh, yeah, a hundred percent, and it's get it's quite simple when you think about it. We just don't like to think about it, which is the problem. But like, yeah. we all want to live as long as we can live, right? But we all know that that's not going to be being alive forever. So like, we we know like we know at the end of the day, what's going to happen to all of us is that we're all going to die. When that happens, who knows? What you do before that happens, that's all up to you. And right. you get to be in charge of that to the best of your capacity. Clearly, there are like social structures and things that can right. impede your capacity to do X, Y, and Z. 
and that gets to like a macro conversation. But at a micro level, like you have an obligation to structure your life to the best of your capacity so that you can have it as long as you can, knowing that you won't have it forever. Right. And like, you give it value accordingly. (laughs) Yeah. And and if you know that you won't be around forever, then any sort of knowledge or insight that you can share with somebody else so that they can do something beneficial when you are no longer around. And that could be that you're not around when you're dead. It could also be like when you're not around, when that person goes to another city, you know, like, like there's, I think like in our, our last, talk conversation we we talked about how you know back in the day when it took a while to relay messages like yeah yeah sending a letter and like that person was already that person is a if you were sending a letter that someone had died that that person is alive in that in the in the recipient's mind until they receive the letter right and there were times that you know that could be months (laughs) exactly and so like even if you're alive if you're doing something to to extend who you are beyond just like your physical body mm-hmm. that can that can positively impact people when you aren't physically around where you just only live in their mind so it's essentially i'm getting to like the value of you here in the present and kind of like how you interpret that and move with that you know uh, which is memento mori is essentially to remember your presence, your value in the presence, because you know that you will no longer be present one day. Hundred percent. Yep. And one thing that's really neat about memento mori is like this this concept. It's complex, but also pretty simple. Yeah. It, it's it's really easy. They, a lot of artists manifest it. There's a whole bunch of you know. There's scores of paintings and sculptures and. If you look throughout Europe, you'll see a painting. There'll be a skull in like the painting yeah. somewhere, or there'll be like a, a they're t- like holding it, yeah, yeah, or there'll be like an hourglass with the grains falling through. So like even when you're looking at, and people put this in self portraits, you know, they right. they get a portrait of themselves, which is which is themselves frozen in time. Yep. And in that painting, they put something to remind them that they're gonna die, that they're not right. this frozen iteration of themselves. Right. So, so that they know and you know this is a key thing so uh you know day of the dead is a practice that reminds people but there's very there's so many ways to manifest this idea artistically to remind people because like a key thing for at sel regarding philosophy is like we will we love it if if like i'm working on a book right now we we love it if people sit down and read the whole book yeah the whole book all right all sorts really of books but there, there shouldn't be a requirement for philosophy to benefit you that you have to read a whole book first. There, right. should, there, there should be that you could listen to a song or you could look at a painting or you could look at a photo or you could do this thing. And now that philosophical idea can impact you. And that then may incline you to go read the more detailed book. Memento Mori is one of these ideas that it manifests in all sorts of paintings and all sorts of art in addition to like written text. And like, I think that's quite key too, so that people get 
these really subtle reminders to remind them that, hey, you need to remember death. Uh, Not so that you're morbid or morose, but so that you remember existence. Well said. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) Well said. Any other notes on Memento Mori? No, I don't think so. Like, I'll say for myself, and this might sound weird, but I think about death every day. Like, yeah, not it's not like a thing where I get all sad and I think about uh, or whatever. It's just like that's just a thing, and it's it's something that will happen to everybody. Ideally, our job is to make it so that it doesn't happen to people like unnecessarily and prematurely. Um, and so with regards to COVID and the handling of things right now, like we really should be handling this better, um, because people are dying far too early for unnecessarily. And I think a lot of people might be acting cavalier and saying, if I die, I die. Um, and that results in more people dying and it's making a bit more meaningless than they should be. And so you know, yeah, that's really it, man. Like I, it's, it's one of those things. It's just part of life. Have to be aware of it. Right. Not trying to like expedite the process of getting there, but to like have a fulfilled existence, you have to realize that you won't have a physical one at some point. There's value in knowing what you won't have. And life is the ultimate thing that you should have value in. <laughs> not <100. having. laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's your priceless right there. So, so, well, this has been a great conversation on the word memento mori, um, you know, in another episode of Language for Liberation. So um, I think to wrap things up today, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Altars Festival and the Altars uh, program that's coming along. Um, Is there anything you'd like to share with the audience in regards to that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let's flip over. So. So I, we, we talked a little bit at the beginning, but Alters Festival, it's, we're going to do it online because of COVID, Zoom. It's going to be October 31st to November 2nd, which is Day of the Dead. And we have a, a slew of artists that uh, are going to be participating and making altars. And we encourage people to also make altars because this is something that we all can benefit from. The The key thing for... For SCL, and I'll, I guess I'll articulate this kind of philosophically because you know you guys should know my, know our language. But we live in an ethnocidal society that discourages culture, and like the way to counter that in a civil way is to cultivate culture and to create culture and remembering your history and learning from that and continuing it and can and creating a space to articulate it and share it and sustain it is key to creating culture and sustaining culture and the u.s is a very diverse place with a lot of different cultures all in the same environment but not actively like doing things together it, it becomes quite siloed where like this community does this over here and that community does stuff over there, even though we actually like inter- interact with each other all the time. We just like go to different places to do our cultural stuff. Like with, with the Alters Project, we're hoping that people from so many different communities will feel comfortable 
creating their altars and sharing their stories at the same time so that it becomes a, a new kind of cultural experience where, you know, if you are Cambodian and, you know, your Buddhist culture has altars, you feel comfortable on October 31st, November 2nd, share. Yeah. Making, making a traditional altar for your culture and sharing with people. And those people that you're sharing with can be Mexican-Americans, they can be African-Americans, they can be white Americans, you know, you know, they can be Africans. Um, yeah. And this creates a great opportunity to, to, to create a new cultural discourse around sustaining our culture and collectively dealing with, with trauma. And another key part about ethnocide is the culture that's being destroyed is communities of colors culture. Right. So we are not encouraged to create these structures. Um, so we need to take this opportunity to make sure that we create these structures and that these instruct these structures include other communities of color who are also feeling um, ethnocidal oppression and need yeah. outlets to express their culture too. And so like, I, I look at this in a very like philosophical way, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is weird because it's of a very course. emotional thing. But I'm, I, I think about it in a way that, I, that can help a lot of people. And strangely enough, it's kind of like if, you, if, you, if you're doing it with your emotions, I, I view it that you're putting the cart before the horse. Like the horse yeah. is the, like the philosophy, the it's language, the work. Right. the work. And then after that, then like we can all get emotional. And uh, I, I can get emotional with regards to... Uh, you know, making my altar and stuff like that, but how it's beneficial for everybody. It's, it's in a way that is, it's a, it's transcendent. And so, so yeah, and you can find out, you know, learn about it on our website. We have the page, it's called the altars project. The altars project is the whole thing we're doing with the artists and then the festivals of three days. Uh, And so, so yeah. Dope, man. Well, um, you know, that's really powerful stuff and I'm, you know, looking forward to creating my, um, alter this year uh and documenting it along with you all so uh dope you know find more information online um and as always you know you can follow language for liberation at scl.community on instagram and every other social media platform and at scl.community on our website uh so with that being said you know we'll catch you next time peace peace